0: Christianity and the world. He specializes in philosophy and theology, socio-political science, and the history of ideas. He is married with five adult children and three grandchildren. Give our speaker Thank you. Thank you so much. That was lovely. Thank you. Sure i'm sufficiently wired here although i don't actually need a microphone but okay am i on i'm on if you brought your bible hard copy or digital copy and if you didn't why didn't you this is a chapel after all turn to first john chapter two. two first john chapter two I'm going to read verses 15 through 17, which a number of you, I'm certain, have already committed to memory, and if not, you should. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. We might call this a worldview devotional message. Uh, The New Testament uses that term, world, in Greek cosmos, in three main ways. First, world can mean the created world. God in Christ created the world. That's a positive use of the term world. Second, world can devote the people in that created world. From John 3.16, we know that God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for them. That's the people in the world. That's a neutral use of world. People can be good or bad, right? But third, world can mean something invariably negative, and that is John's meaning. By world, John means the present satanic System, a system of life that pervades the created world. He means the created world as well as the people in the world as they have been corrupted by sin. When John says don't love the world, he doesn't mean we shouldn't love the creation, obviously. He doesn't mean we shouldn't love people created in God's image, well, of course we should. He means we shouldn't love this evil, sinful system that surrounds us. In our time, the world consists of radical, individual autonomy. Unbelief, greed, prayerlessness, abortion, transgenderism, self-centeredness, racism, Phariseeism, homosexuality, covenant-breaking, machismo, ideological feminism, hatred and much much more. Young people, the world includes the world includes body modification and porn and rebellion against duly constituted authority and sleeping around. This is the system within God's created world that is governed by Satan and his hosts. That's the world to which Paul refers. John states that this satanic world is passing away, it's temporary, it's transitory. By contrast, he who does the will of God abides forever. John wants to assure his readers that this satanic world that seems to be so pervasive so dominant, so ordinary, so normal, is in fact temporary and even now passing away. It's being replaced by the real world, the normal world, God's world. John is essentially telling us that there are two worlds, two gods, two ways, two destinies. There's God's world and then there is the alt world what do i mean by that well you might know that prefix alt just means alternative it's used often to refer to musical genre right alt rock alt country alt folk and so on now back when i was kind of listening to music it was so much simpler it was like There was like country, and hymns, and bluegrass, and rock, and rock, and rock, and not much else. Alt means an alternative to the mainstream. We even have some called an alt-right, politically, an alternative to mainstream conservative politics. By the alt-world, I mean Satan's counterfeit alternative to God's good-created world. I want to describe the sequence of how Satan's alt-world incrementally affects our thinking, our actions, our lives as Christians. And I want to warn us not to be seduced by the satanic alt-world, but rather live for and in God's world. So what's that sequence Of worldliness. First, the abnormal world becomes normative to us. The true normal world is the world God created it. God created the world, and it was very good, very good. Did you know the created world is very good? Not just pretty good, very good. It was precisely what God intended. It was a world into which His love and truth and law were woven. It was a world created for man and woman to inhabit. Man was called to steward this world and the plants and animals for God's glory. This is called the cultural mandate. Everywhere man turned, he encountered God's glory. The unhindered presence of God surrounded and suffused man. Can you imagine it? But man, through the serpent's temptation, man and woman, of course, sinned. As a result of this sin, God cursed the creation. The creation didn't become inherently evil, but it did become the battleground between good and evil. It bore the scars of sin. And young people, sin always produces scars. At that point, Satan's strategy was to make God's world his world. To commandeer God's world. And His world is the world John is talking about. You see, Satan labors to transform God's world into his image. He works to convince man that God's world is strange, (coughs) bizarre, harsh, unloving, or just plain boring. This was his appeal to Eve in Genesis 3. Eve, come live in my world. God doesn't have your best interest at heart. God hasn't let you eat this luscious, delicious fruit. In my world, you can eat it. God doesn't want you to know all that he knows. In my world, I'll let you know everything. God lied to you, but I'm telling you the way things really are. I'm a truth teller, Satan says in essence. Satan is proposing not just that Adam and Eve disobey. He's not just inviting them to rebel, He's offering to them an entirely different world. He's offering them a different reality. We all know that what surrounds us tends to become normal to us, if we're in it long enough. We listen to accounts of adults that were born into an impoverished community, right? And they sometimes say, I mean, we were dirt poor, but we didn't feel sorry for ourselves because we didn't know it. Poverty was our normality. We felt fine about our situation. It was only later when they encountered a middle-class lifestyle or wealth that they knew what they had been missing all along. Poverty had been their normality, their world, their reality. In the same way, Satan diabolically deconstructs God's world. He makes evil seem good and good evil. He engineers a new world in which his ways become ordinary, acceptable, normal. God's ways are out of the mainstream. Strange, weird, bizarre. Satan's ways are the ways by which all alternatives are judged. If you attend a firm, Bible-believing, evangelical church, you're, well, a little too religiously zealous. Jesus-freak, maybe. Normal people keep their religion to themselves and don't really emphasize it. It's okay to be religious, but don't be a fanatic about it. Or young people all engage in premarital sex. How can you know until you experiment, right? That's the normal way. People who remain virgins until marriage are the weird ones, the strange ones. What? Why would anyone do that? That's abnormal. But Satan works even more broadly in society and culture. In our own culture, he unleashes a war on God's law, even on reality. To say that only a single male may marry a single female isn't fair. To say that a pregnant woman can't dispose of her unborn child if it's inconvenient is anti woman. To say that the state shouldn't use tax money to try to re engineer society is greedy. To say that gender is not fluid is to deny people the right to determine their existence, their very identity. In these ways, and hundreds of others, Satan marginalizes God's world, the real world. He then superimposes his own depraved world that he then offers to man as normal. He then offers as a package his alt world. Satan is the alt-god. Antichrist is the alt-Christ. Marxism is the alt-gospel. Socialism is the alt-economics. Progressivism is the alt-eschatology. Darwinism is the alt-science. Statism is the alt-politics. Tolerance is the alt-love. LGBTQ plus, 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 Plus is the alt-sexuality. Public schools are the alt-education. Globalism is the alt-unity. The World Council of Churches is the alt-Catholicity. Modernism is the alt-architecture. The egalitarian society is the alt-heaven. Cancel culture is the alt-hell. That's Satan's normal second the normal world then becomes illusory god's normal world becomes illusory to us satan doesn't simply work to make god's world abnormal to us and to everyone else he works in christians lives to make it illusory Hmm. i'm not stopping it doesn't matter i've still got things to do satan wants it to drift god's world to drift into the mists of our minds, such that it becomes not just abnormal, but unreal. Unreal. The book of Judges speaks of the ancient Jews, and there arose another generation who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. God and his great works were foreign to them, and they turned away from God to another world, Satan's world. We can easily detect evidence of this illusory world. We come into church on Sunday and sing praises about our Lord who died and rose, and, and he seems far, far away. We speak about prayer and answers to prayer, and we think this is simply a coincidence. The pastor preaches, and we think, oh, that sounds fine. I'm sure it's true or sort of true, but it has no meaning in my world. My world is the world of new dresses or video games or real estate deals or parties or hanging out with friends. The church is sort of another world, another world. I can't begin to tell you how dangerous this thinking and living is. It's a form of dualism. It relegates God's world to heaven or to the ethereal In this way, even otherwise devout Christians develop two separate worlds, the inner godly world and the outer ungodly world. The godly world is the world of prayer and Bible reading and preaching on Sunday, but that world really is in many ways an illusory world. It's for the part of our lives that has no real world meaning. We mouth its words and phrases, but it doesn't capture our souls. But the outer ungodly world, the operationally atheistic or neo-pagan world, is the world that definitely has meaning for us. This is the world where we don't even consider God's truth or standards or activity. We don't stop to pray about God's doing his work in that world. We don't ask what God's word has to say about what we purchase or how we vote or what music we listen to or whose friends our children may choose. Satan's world is our real world, and God's world is the shadow world, off in the marginal mists of our mind. Jesus taught just the opposite. We are to pray that God's will is done here on earth just as it is in heaven what occurs in church every Sunday, that is God's world, the created world as he intends it to be. And that world should be yours and mine Monday through Saturday. This you see, what we're doing today, the music you heard, a mighty fortress, all of this, that is the real world. Eighty percent of what goes on outside those walls that is not a real world. That's a fake world. How do we recover the reality of God's world? Are we destined to live in the reality of Satan's world? That's my final point. I've never been accused of preaching too long, so listen carefully. God in Christ and His Spirit is deconstruct The alt world and reviving the normal world. John writes that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. On the cross, Jesus triumphed over the satanic powers. The writer of Hebrews plainly states Jesus came to destroy the devil. In destroying the devil, Jesus is destroying his world, his reality. That's why John writes that this world, that satanic world, is gradually disappearing. Jesus is ripping away the superimposed satanic world. The alt world keeps us from God's love and joy and power. It keeps us from answered prayer. It keeps us from his law that graciously orders our life and the life of the entire world Satan's artificial world keeps us from a wholesome intimacy with our brothers and sisters. It keeps us from joyous marriages and peaceful churches. It keeps us from a society governed by God's revelation. That's the false world that Jesus came to rip away. He didn't come only to rescue souls for heaven. He did that for sure. He came to destroy all the works of the devil, including the devil's mega work of superimposing his world on God's world. How do we re-encounter that world after Satan has superimposed his world? Even as Christians, that world can seem illusory because of all of the evil presently pervasive. We re-encounter that world just as we initially encountered it by faith, by faith. Young people, it's important to understand that the created world doesn't lead us away from God. It doesn't. If that were the case, Adam and Eve would have likely sinned just by inspecting and pondering creation. No, creation is very good. Creation will never lead you away from God. A sinful heart wrongly inspecting and interpreting creation will lead you away from God. That's what Paul says in Romans 1. It's Satan's interpretation of the created world and what's going on in it that leads us from God. Every day, Satan surrounds us with his interpretation of the created world that we encounter every waking moment. Did God really mean what he said? Look at that beautiful thing that God forbids. Wouldn't you like to have it? God doesn't really want you to be happy. Follow me, I'll make you happy. Faith responds to Satan as Eve should have said in Eden I'm going to trust God's interpretation of the created world, not yours. this is why we must immerse ourselves in the Bible. The Bible reveals to us God's interpretation of the world, that's what this is. This is God's interpretation of His world. And who knows better how to interpret His world than, than the Creator? He tells us how we're to look and act about our family and friends, our minds, our bodies, possessions, love, sex, law, politics, music, popular culture. Our goal by the power of the Spirit, young people, and your goal And one of the reasons that you're being educated here at a distinctly Christian institution, articulating a distinctly Christian worldview, is to destabilize, delegitimize, and deconstruct the abnormal world, and to reassert the normal world. And of this we can be confident. The abnormal, artificial world is passing away. It is temporary. The created world is not temporary. One day, the created world will be purified. And after the resurrection, God in heaven will descend and dwell with men on this refined, cleansed, resurrected world, our world, his world. But even today, God, through Jesus Christ, is gradually pushing the abnormal world, gradually, sometimes, oh, so gradually and incrementally into the mists of time, into the shadows, and eventually he will push it into oblivion. This is why every faithful work that we do is valuable and permanent. That world, the world in which we're working, that world will stand the test of time. You professors here, instructors here, your faithful work will stand the test of time on into eternity. Young people here, the work that you do faithfully for the Lord, whatever it is, not just churchy, ecclesial, spiritual work, but all work for His glory. It's not a temporary work. It's a work that will stand the test of time and be preserved into eternity. Our work will contribute to the reestablishment of the normal world. All sin, all evil, all perversion that presently seems so powerful, so pervasive, is actually transitory and temporary. An unbeliever once chided a theologian friend of mine with the snarky comment, you Christians don't live in the real world. Without missing a beat, my friend responded, the real world hasn't existed since Genesis 3. God decides what is normal, and his world is normal. I'd like us to bow our heads. We are not altar call Arminians around here, but I would like to take a little survey with no one looking around and, yes, ask you to make a decision today. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand because I would like to pray about this. Nobody looking around. If you don't feel convicted about this, please don't stand. I won't think less of you. I don't know most of you anyway. But if you'll say, Andrew, I understand this truth. I might not always live by it, but I want to live by it. I want God's world to be my world, the real world, and Satan's world to be the alt-world, the illusory world. I want to operate within and advance the kingdom of God by the power of the Spirit of God in the real world and not be seduced by the pervasive alt-world. And God giving me strength from this day forward, I intend to do that. Yes, I know I'll sin, I know I'll fail, I know I'll give in sometimes to worldliness, but by God's grace, I will confess my sin and stand up and move on in the real world, and to not capitulate to the alt-world. If you have already made that commitment or are willing to make that commitment today, I would like you actually to stand where you are. Just stand up. Stand up. If you don't want to make that commitment, don't. And I won't think less of you. I'd rather you not stand up than stand up dishonestly. Father, you see my heart, an imperfect and sinful heart, but I believe, Lord, one that sincerely wishes to please you, Oh, Lord, you see these very blessed, bright, energetic, educated, thoughtful Christian young adults. Lord, I ask that you would infuse them with the truth, not just of your word as a system of theology, but an entire world and life view, so that everything that they view, they view through the lens of your word, your revelation your creational revelation and your biblical revelation and that they resist this very tempting, satanic alt-world designed to seduce them. Oh Lord, I pray that you would raise up of these mighty warriors for the faith to stand for the truth in every area of life, not just in the church, not just in the pastorate, not just as missionaries, vital as those are, but writing code and teaching school and in automobile sales and in every other area of life and culture. And we look forward to the day when the old world is pushed into the mists of time and the real world pervades everywhere. Use us, O God, to advance your cause and kingdom We pray it, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord, and King. In his name alone we pray. Amen.